The following sermon was delivered by Senior Pastor Scott Black Johnston during morning worship at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith every Sunday on the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Midtown Manhattan. And now, here is Dr. Black Johnston. Let us pray. Gracious God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, open our hearts and our minds so that as your scripture is read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what it is that you are saying to us this day. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Here at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church during the season of Lent, we have been asking questions focused on what it means to be an authentic person. Two weeks ago, we started by asking, who am I? Last week, we looked deep in our hearts and asked, where's home? Today, against a pretty scary backdrop, as the world responds in both healthy and unhealthy ways, to a viral pandemic, we are going to tee up another core question. As we journey through life, in good times and bad, who are my traveling companions? The title of today's homily is, Do You Have a Posse? As always, in our search for meaning, our guide is a passage from the good book. Our text for today comes from the book of Job. Chapter 2, beginning with the third verse. We step into this wild story as God and Satan are having an argument. They are arguing over whether Job is or is not a good fellow. Let us listen now for God's word. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on the earth a blameless and upright man who fears God and who turns away from evil. He still persists in his integrity, although you incited him against me to destroy him for no reason. Then Satan answered the Lord, skin for skin, all that people have they will give to save their lives. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well, he is in your power. Only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and inflicted loathsome sores on Job from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Job took a potsherd with which to scrape himself and sat among the ashes. Then Job's wife said to him, Do you still persist in your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as a fool. Shall we receive the good at the hand of God and not receive the bad? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Now when Job's three friends heard of all these troubles that had come upon him, each of them set out from his home 
Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar the Namathite. They met together to go and console and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and wept aloud. They tore their robes and threw dust in the air upon their heads. They sat with him on the ground for seven days and seven nights. And no one spoke a word to him. For they saw that his suffering was very great. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Who doggies, it's been a week. Emergencies have been declared, city, state, nation, world. Financial markets have yo-yoed. The local bodega is out of hand sanitizer, canned beans, and for pity's sake, toilet paper. People are feeling anxious and suspicious. Sneeze in public, and you'll be rewarded with a stare that can melt glass. We are all a bit on edge. How will we, how will we, we respond to this anxious moment? The jury is out. I imagine humanity's response will be mixed. It always is. Some will be wise, others will be foolish. Many will follow the rules. Some, though, will act selfishly. Some will seek to profit off this crisis. Many will wag their fingers, loudly assigning blame. Others will quietly figure out how to help. How will you respond? In the Bible, a series of bad things befall a successful man named Job. Job loses everything, his farm, family members, his retirement savings, and finally, his health. Eventually, we find Job sitting in a pile of ashes, scraping at his pockmarked skin with a piece of pottery. Job looks so awful, his friends do not recognize him. What, we wonder, will they do when they discover that this diseased shell of a human being is their old buddy, Job? Can you say social distancing? How will Job's friends respond? The answer here in scripture, as out there in life, is mixed. Most of the book of Job provides us with a front row seat to a friendship fail. One by one, each one of Job's friends lists the reasons that they believe his life has gone down the tubes. You must be a terrible sinner to have such misfortune come your way. God must be really mad at you. In the end, none of the friends, not one of them, turns out to be right. And along the way, Job grows pretty darn frustrated at their responses. French philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre 
was fascinated by the way that people look at each other and decide, I know who you are. I know what your problem is. In Sartre's most famous play, No Exit, three people walk into a waiting room. They are dead. They have entered the afterlife. Specifically, they believe they are about to enter the tortures of hell. As they wait, the three strangers start talking to each other, and like Job's friends, they start piling guilt on each other. This is why you are here. You are a coward. You are a narcissist. You are a liar. Finally, after heaping scornful stereotypes on each other for 90 minutes, the three people tumble to a recognition. This is hell. Hell isn't some devilish torture chamber. There's no need for red-hot pokers, one of the characters yells. Hell is other people. Recent events might have us nodding in agreement. In times of crisis, other people look like the problem. Other people make bad decisions. Other people are selfish and stupid. Other people show us the worst side of humanity. Other people, other sneezing, lying, toilet paper hoarding people, give us a window into hell. There is, I think, some truth in this. But it is only part of the story. The good news, my friends, is that the testimony of Job and the witness of our faith does not end in a room from which there is no exit. Yes, Job's friends get on his nerves, but their first instinct is actually a good one. When they finally recognize the broken man sitting in the ashes, they kneel down alongside him. They weep for his plight. They, they toss handfuls of dirt in the air, and then they sit in silence. For seven days, they offer no explanations, no recriminations. All they offer is themselves. Other people, Sartre argued, are hell. Maybe. But here's the thing. The flip side of the coin is also true. Other people are heaven. Friends are tangible signs that this world was created by a God who loves us. According to the Gospel of John, in the days before his passion, Jesus spent time with the disciples sitting around a supper table. He looked at them and said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You, Jesus says to the disciples, you are my posse. You are my beloved 
friends. It's a remarkable thing to hear our Lord call us friends. And then again, maybe not. Something in us, I think, instinctually senses the sacred ties that bind. Have you seen the videos of singing people coming out of Italy this week? In a country that's been devastated by this virus and in a, in a culture where people regularly stroll arm and arm through the streets every evening, in, in a society where greeting a friend usually involves a display of affection that goes way beyond an elbow bump, the people in Italy are figuring out how to connect. Every night, Italians are going out on their balconies, and they are singing. They are singing their national anthem. They are singing silly pop songs. They are singing romantic ballads. They are singing with dozens of their neighbors, everyone out on their balconies, thumbing their noses at the virus in the safest, sweetest way possible by singing. Maybe. And this world can be a harsh teacher. Maybe we have the chance to learn something or relearn something, something important as we move through this crisis. Duluth, Minnesota is an important place to me and my family. It's also home to a fabulous bluegrass folk rock band that goes by the evocative name Trampled by Turtles. One of the band's hit songs is entitled Alone. The opening verse goes like this. You come into the world alone, and you go out of the world alone. But in between, there's you and me. Oh, oh. I think I understand the OO in this song. I bet you do too. I did an emergency wedding this week. The ceremony the couple had planned fell apart. Questions about the wisdom of travel and calls for social dis distancing led the guests to cancel. Even the pastor could not come. He emailed and asked me if I would pinch hit. Sure, I said. So Sarah and Noah made their promises in our chapel in front of me and two witnesses and God. In the midst of all the fear and all the uncertainty of this moment, these two young souls held onto each other's hands and made uncommon promises. In between, there's you and me. Oh, oh. I know you feel how important friendship is in this time. I know you draw strength from the ties that bind the calls, the emails, the check-ins, the songs sung from balconies, the small favors, the big promises.
Sharing solidarity in this moment is a good thing. It's a God thing. It's a glimpse of heaven for all who walk this rocky trail. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. We hope this sermon has been meaningful to you and provided a message of hope, encouragement, and good news. If you are in New York City, we invite you to visit our historic church and join us for worship. You will find our address, worship calendar, and other information on our website, fapc.org. If you would like to help support this audio ministry, please text the dollar amount of your gift, followed by the word sermons, to 646-491-8331. Again, that is the amount of your gift, followed by the word sermons, to 646 491 8331. Thank you and God bless.